I'm a Thanksgiving rights activist. I think Thanksgiving gets overlooked, and I'm here to represent the rights of a holiday. Thanksgiving gets treated like the weird, awkward cousin that we have to go see on our way to see Christmas a lot of times. And uh, it, I don't think it gets the attention that it needs. But we start listening to Christmas music early. How many of y'all like Christmas music? I love Christmas music. I just don't like Christmas music in October or September or July. And some of y'all just can't let it go, you know. Um, but I do love Christmas music after Thanksgiving. But that's just me. I'm a traditionalist that way. Um, some people like Hallmark Christmas movies. Anybody like Hallmark Christmas movies? Ladies. I see a lot of ladies' hands going up, and I see a lot of guys going, nah, 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 nah. I don't get it. I don't get the Hallmark Christmas movie thing. My wife loves Hallmark Christmas movies. My mom loves Hallmark Christmas movies. And they'll sit down and crochet and talk and do little projects and have Hallmark Christmas movies on all day because Hallmark makes enough Christmas movies to have going 24-7, almost 365, and they don't run out. They're like the McDonald's of Christmas movies. They're just like billions and billions and billions of Christmas movies that they crank out. And I don't get it. I don't get it. Because to me, they're all the same. They're all the same, and they're all so predictable. And so I make fun of them, and I got, I got to be honest with you, guys. I got banned from being in the living room when the Hallmark Christmas movies come on. I got officially banned. And I'll tell you a secret just between me and everyone in here. Uh, I think my wife is in here too somewhere, but listen, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with being banned with it. Guys, would it, would it be awesome if you got banned from the Hallmark Christmas movies at your house? Someone's like, yeah, some of y'all are looking at the floor real fast. I don't know about that. It's just not trying to cause trouble in your marriage. But I don't get the Hallmark. Like, it's just, what Hallmark Christmas movie are you going to watch? Because they all end the same. Are we watching the Hallmark Christmas movie where, um, where the lady has a past? And she's trying to get over the past. And she's tried love before, and she got hurt. And here comes Mr. Handsome. And Mr. Handsome sees through all her defenses and works his way in. And there's a connection there. And through the movie, he's able to win her trust and restore her faith in love. And they celebrate Christmas, and it's great, and they all have a Merry Christmas together. Or is it the movie where the guy has got some issues and he comes across the lady and the lady sees the potential in him and she sees the diamond in the lump of coal and she says, I can help this guy through all his issues. It'll be great. And so through the movie, she walks him, walks him through all the issues and he becomes the man that she knew he could be the whole time and they have a Merry Christmas together. Just like it's supposed to be. Or is it the one where the adults have forgotten what Christmas is all about? Because they're so busy with life and so busy with being professionals, you know. And the kids have to remind the adults of what Christmas is all about. Kids, sometimes we got to remind the adults, don't we? Yeah. See? 
Sometimes kids have to remind us. And so the kids remind them what Christmas is all about. And the kids remind them that life can be fun. And the adults say, you're right. Christmas can be fun. And then they all have a Merry Christmas every time. Merry Christmas and Merry Christmas. Like it all ends with a beautiful bow. And I think that's what's like I can't connect with because life doesn't always end with a bow and a happy ending, does it? Somebody said, yes, it does. <laughs> but it doesn't always do it. Like, I've had Christmases that were great, just like a Hallmark movie, you know, and probably you guys have too. But I've also had Christmases that just didn't have that beautiful bow on them. And I had Christmases where things didn't work out the way that I wanted them to. And I had Christmases where I was hurting and in need. And I had Christmas where... I didn't have the money to give the gifts that I wanted to and found myself in lack. But I've had Christmases where we've been in, um, sitting good and we're able to give gifts like we wanted to. Like It's not consistent like you see in the movies. And so that creates a conflict in me because if Christmas is supposed to be this great fun time, it should be great and fun all the time. But it's not really. And I started asking questions, and the big question that I ask, and, and maybe you've asked too, and it's something we're going to talk about for the next few minutes, is does Christmas really have the power to bring peace and joy in my life? Does Christmas really have that kind of power to bring peace and joy? And I see some people nodding your heads right now, and I see some people shaking your heads right now, and I'm with you because I think the answer is yes and no. It just depends on which Christmas you're talking about. And if you're talking about the Hallmark movie kind of Christmas that we all like to get geeked up for and celebrate, and we put lights everywhere and we bank on it being a happy time, you know, I don't think that's sustainable. And I don't think that can do it, really, because it's not consistent. We think Christmas can provide happiness, and it can provide happiness, but there's a difference between being happy and having joy. And there's a difference between being happy and having peace because happiness depends on what's happening around you. If everything's great and everything's going well, you'll be happy. But if the sky's falling and you feel like you just got your legs sweeped out from underneath you, you're not going to be happy. So happiness can't be consistent, but joy, I think, can be consistent. And I think peace can be consistent because peace isn't dependent on what's going on around us. Peace is something that's stable inside of us. And I think if you really wanted to, to say it, like the first kind of Christmas is like a big quest for happiness because I find a lot of people just aren't happy with their lives. You know, if I were to ask you, like, what are the things that you would want to change about your life right now? I think we'd have to go get a legal pad for most of us because we start writing down the this, the that, and the other, you know. Um, I want this, I want that, I'd love to change this, I'd love to change that, you know. Um, because we're not completely happy with what's going on in our lives. And probably we could take Christmas and take that out of the question. And instead of saying, does Christmas really have the power to bring peace and joy into my life? Because Christmas is just, just a title we're putting on this quest for happiness. We could really put anything. We could put relationships. Do relationships really have the power to bring peace and joy? into our lives because a lot of people bank on relationships with other people and getting some kind of emotional connection and, and getting that fulfillment from another person. But that can't be consistent either, guys. You know why? Hey, spoiler alert, people aren't perfect. 
People aren't perfect. Now, I know I probably just wrecked some of your personal theology right now because you might think you're really cool. But what I want you to do is look at the person next to you right now and just look them dead in the eyes and say, hey, guess what? Uh, let's do this again. Y'all didn't, y'all didn't do it right. Look at the person next to you right now and say, hey, guess what? You're not perfect. <laughs> some of y'all had way too much fun with that. Some of y'all had way too much fun with that. Um, People aren't perfect. People are going to let you down. People are going to disappoint you. People are going to hurt you. People are, sometimes aren't going to be there. So people can't be something that's consistent. So you can't look at relationships to find peace. And a lot of people bank on that. And, and if it's not relationships, then it's money. If I get enough money, then I can find happiness. You know, one guy said, people say that money can't buy happiness, but it can buy a jet ski. And I've never seen a sad person on a jet ski. I get that. I kind of like to test that theory and find out if money could or couldn't, but I already know the answer because rich people all around the world are desperately trying to find some kind of happiness. The addiction rate, the alcohol, the drugs, the other stuff that, that the wealthy indulge in because the money just doesn't do it. Because happiness isn't consistent, you know. And if it's not money, then it's, and then, it, and then it's success or it's a title or it's something. Something that we can try to grasp for. But there's a problem with all of that, guys. There's a big problem with all of that because it doesn't matter what relationship that we're in. It doesn't matter how much money that we have. It doesn't matter how far up the corporate ladder we go. It doesn't matter how much success we get. It doesn't matter where we live because a lot of people will move from place to place, from city to city, and they'll jump from church to church because they think a fresh start gives them a fresh chance at happiness. But the problem with all of that stuff is it doesn't matter how much money you have because it's you that has the money. It doesn't matter what relationship you get into because it's you in the relationship or how successful you are because it's still you that's successful or wherever you go because you are the person that's there and none of that stuff can fix you it can't fix you so I don't think Christmas can bring peace and joy at least not the first one but there's another kind of Christmas now that one is a little different that Christmas is why we're here today am I right that Christmas is why we're here celebrating, and that Christmas is why we're going to celebrate the next couple of weeks, because that Christmas can bring joy. That Christmas can bring peace, because that Christmas focuses on the real reason for the season, not happiness, not gifts, not fun times, but the fact that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, was born on this world to die for your sins and for my sins. Now, that Christmas is a Christmas that I can celebrate. Because that Christmas is consistent. That Christmas never changes. It never changes. In fact, if you look in Luke chapter 2 and verse 10, you heard the kids reference this a little bit earlier. So, but the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy. How many of y'all would like to have some good news in your life that would cause great joy? Oh, I love to have some money. I get a, enough bad news. I want some good news in my life. I got good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He's the Messiah, the Lord. 
good news that brings great joy because of a Savior. Now, that's what Christmas is all about. Now, a Savior is a special kind of person, though, because like, the definition of a Savior is a person who rescues another person from a dangerous situation or a hopeless situation that they can't escape themselves. And that's what Jesus has done for us. He came to be a Savior for all of us because we were in a situation that we couldn't get out of ourselves. You guys remember this, right? He, he, he brought us out of a situation we couldn't get out of ourselves because way back when in this place called the Garden of Eden, a guy named Adam and a lady named Eve messed up. They sinned and they disobeyed God. And when they did that, they brought the curse of sin into the world. For all of us. And from that time, every person that's ever been born was born into this curse of sin. Now, I don't think that's fair. But that's why you don't have to teach a cute little kid how to be selfish. Because they're born that way. That's why everything is mine, mine, mine. You know? uh, some adults are still like that. It's mine, mine, mine. But you don't have to teach a kid how to lie. They just naturally do it. Did you make that mess? No. I didn't make that mess. You still got the stuff in your hand. What? No, I didn't do it. Yeah, like, the kids will do that. <laughs> you don't have to teach them how to do that because they do it naturally. Because Adam and Eve messed up. But you know what? If it hadn't been Adam or Eve, let's be honest. It's easy to blame them. It probably would have been somebody else. Am I right? It probably would have been somebody else. And if we're being real honest, if it hadn't been Adam or Eve, and if it hadn't been somebody else, like it probably would have been one of us in this room. Like One of us would have jacked it up for everybody. You know, because we do a great job of jacking stuff up as people. We really do. Everybody say jacked up. Jacked up. That's what we are without Jesus. We messed it up. But the beautiful thing is that God didn't want to leave us that way. And that's what we celebrate in the Christmas season. You know, the Bible says that um, God used to walk with Adam in the Garden of Eden in the cool of the day. And when I read that for the first time, it totally changed my picture, my perception of God. Completely. Because I'd always thought of God as like some deity or some being like a billion miles away who shot lightning bolts down and passed judgment on people. And sometimes he blessed certain people if they were good enough, you know. And it, it rocked my world when I read that because if he was walking with Adam in the cool of the day in the Garden of Eden, that means he was just hanging out with him. He was just having fun with Adam because God's original intent for us was just to have somebody to hang out with. He just wants to be with us. And when we sinned, we severed that relationship. And so all through the Old Testament into the New Testament, you see God making this effort and making this attempt to be with us again, just because he wanted to be with us. And so you see him put his presence in this thing called the Ark of the Covenant. So when the people of Israel would go around, they could carry the presence of God with them in the Ark of the Covenant just so he could be close to them. And then you see when they built the temple, the presence of God resided in the Holy of Holies in the temple. And they had to set it up with a, with a progression with the outer courts, that would lead to the inner courts and then to the Holy of Holies where the presence of God would reside. And they had to put this huge curtain there to separate the presence of God from everybody else because a holy God can't have sin in his presence. 
In fact, in the Bible, anytime somebody was sinning in their lives, was in the presence of God that way, they were struck dead because sin couldn't be in the presence of God. But he did his best to be with us while he was working on a permanent solution for the problem. And so the prophets in the Old Testament started crying out and making prophecies like Isaiah. He, he cried out and he said, Unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the weight of the government will be on his shoulders. And he'll be called Wonderful Counselor. The Mighty God. Everlasting Father. The Prince of Peace. And then, on that first Christmas day, God said, enough with the temples, enough with the ark. I'm going to take care of business myself and fulfill all the prophecies of the Old Testament. And Jesus, with, with one last push from his mother, came into this world, born into this world, to be the perfect sacrifice for our sins once and for all. But for 33 and a half years, guys, this blows me away. He walked this earth... And he learned what it was like to be you and to be me. Because he didn't just come to give his life as a sacrifice for your sin and for my sin, to pay that price for sin once and for all. He didn't just come to do that. The Bible says that he came to be a kinsman redeemer. And the Bible says that, that we can go to God with confidence because Jesus has been tempted in every way, just like you and I face temptation but the Bible says that he was without sin. He knows what it's like to go through the struggles that we go to. He lived 33 and a half years on this earth so that he could better relate with us because he wanted to know us better. Now, if that's not a beautiful love story, I don't know what is. That beats Hallmark any day of the week. Any day of the week. So he knows what it's like. He knows what it's like to be disappointed. He knows what it's like to work Till you're tired and exhausted and still have to get up the next day and find something in the tank to get out there and do what needs to be done. He knows what it's like to be rejected by the people in his hometown. He knows what it's like to be lied to. He knows what it's like to be left alone and isolated. He knows what it's like to have every person in his inner circle turn their back on him and leave him. He knows what it's like to be rejected. He knows what it's like to hurt. He knows what it's like to be tempted. He knows what it's like to live this life that you and I live. And then he went up on the cross and he gave his life as a sacrifice for you and for me. And I love this. What I love most about this is that the Bible says that when Jesus died, right, the weight of sin, all of sin was put on him. Your sin and my sin was put on him at the cross. And when he died and gave his life, he did a one and done deal for all of the sin of mankind. He paid for your sin and he paid for my sin. The Bible says that when he died, the earth shook, the, the clouds and the sky went dark and the temple was shaken. And the Bible says that that veil in the temple that separated the presence of God from us was ripped in two from the top 
to the bottom, from God to man, because we couldn't get to him. But he said, I'll come to you, and I'll fill in the blank, and I'll make the way, and I'll do what you couldn't do in your own strength, because I love you, and I want you to be with me again. That's what we're celebrating for Christmas, guys. And if that can't get you excited, I don't know what else will. That's not about being, that's not about being happy. That's about eternal peace. That's about eternal joy. That's about something that happens internally inside of you. And it's the most beautiful thing that could ever happen. That's what I celebrate for Christmas. Now, that kind of Christmas can make a difference. That kind of difference can make it. You know, Christmas can make a difference. The Bible also says this in Romans chapter 5, verse 8, that God demonstrates his own love for us in this. I want you guys to get this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. When he was on that cross, suffering for you and for me, he died for us while we were still sinners, while we were still messed up, and while we were still jacked up. See, I I used to be so messed up in how I viewed God, and I used to think that I would go to church after I got myself right, because that's what you do, right? You get good, and then you go to church because good people go to church, and all the crazy people that are going to hell, they, they do their thing. But good people go to church, you know. But God's not in the business of taking bad people and making them good. He's in the business of taking spiritually dead people and bringing them to life on the inside. A completely new creation and a transformation that takes place. I got good news for you today. You don't have to worry about cleaning up your life before you come to God. You can come to God just the way you are right now. Just the way you are right now. Because he died on the cross for you just the way you are right now. You don't have to clean yourself up. I got two girls. The oldest one's named Hannah. And my youngest one is named Abby. And I love both of them with all my heart. They're just absolutely beautiful girls with beautiful spirits. And I remember when Abby was a lot younger. She's four now, but she was really young then. And we still had to put her in a crib. And she had been sick for a little while. And I was in charge of watching her that day. And I went into her room in the morning to, just to check on her and make sure she was okay. And when I opened the door, I got hit with a smell that I'll remember until the day that I die. Like, most moms have this special gift where the things that those little kids produce, like, it affects you, but you can work through it and go. Like, a lot of dads don't get that gift. I don't have that gift. And what Abby did that morning, I didn't have the gift for. I, 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 I couldn't handle that. And, and the, the, the smell hit me. And, and, and I looked up, and there was my little girl in this crib, and she had taken her diaper off after she'd had all night with an upset stomach. And what she had done was she had tried to change her own diaper, and she tried to clean herself up. And she had gotten poop everywhere. I'm talking poop all over the crib, poop on the wall where she had stood up and just hand printed the paint and all this stuff, poop all over the blankets, poop all over herself, poop in her hair, poop everywhere. 
Just poop, 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 poop everywhere. This is what I'm seeing. I'm like, oh, dear Lord, where's Kelly? Like, that's when you want to call for backup or, like, get a super soaker or, like, a water hose and just hit them from a distance, you know, and, and clean them up. And, and she looked at me after I just in this little crib covered up with this stuff, and she looked at me, and she just went, I hold you. Oh, okay. Because that's what she said. She wouldn't say, hold me. She holds you. You know, I hold you. And uh, so I had a decision to make. And I was like, uh, I don't want to, like, emotionally scar my kid. And, like, 20 years later, be sitting on a therapist's couch, you know, and she flashes back to this. You never held me when I was in that crib. And that's why I, I didn't want that, you know. So I went over to her and strategically picked what looked like the cleanest spots on her and picked her up. And the plan was to do this right here and go straight to the bathtub. Because that's what you do in, in moments like that. Straight to the bathtub. Doop, turn on the water. Thank you, Lord. Okay, we'll see what happens. You know, clean them up as best you can. And I had her and I was heading to the bathroom. And then she tried to just like lean in and snuggle up on me. And I had another choice. And I flash-forwarded to the, the therapist's couch again. You know, I was like, okay, is it time I wanted you to snuggle with me and I wasn't feeling good? And I'm thinking, okay, she's sick. I can wash these clothes later, I guess. And I brought my little girl in, and she just snuggled right up in there and got all up on me. <laughs> it's messing all, you know. It's messing all. And so I was walking with her towards the bathroom. It's like, Daddy's got you. It's going to be okay. Daddy's got you. Daddy has no idea how he's going to fix this, but Daddy's got you right now, you know. And as I got to the bathroom, I remember the Spirit of God speaking to me. And he said, this is what I did for you. Because you were in a mess that you tried to clean up yourself and you couldn't do it. And I went to you and I picked you up and I brought you to myself. And I started the process of cleaning you up from the inside out. So we think we need to be clean from the outside in and God's in the business of cleaning us from the inside out. And I want you to know today, guys, that's just how God loves you. He takes you just like you are with all the mess and all the stuff that we try to fix and all the ways that we try to find the happiness. And he brings all of that junk, all of that mess, all of that disorder right up to himself. Because I got news for you. Your sin and the mess in your life doesn't intimidate God one bit. Because he loved you enough to send his son to die for you when you're in the condition that you're in. Your worst day, the worst mess you've ever made. Jesus was still on the cross dying for you on that day. That's how much Jesus loves you. That's the kind of love that can give peace and joy that can't be shaken. No matter what's going on in life. Because I know that whatever's happening in this world is just temporary. It's just temporary. 
And even if I'm having a bad day and I might not be happy, I can still find joy knowing that I've got a Savior that loves me with a love that cannot be broken or stopped or intimidated. And I've got a Savior that loves me and that gives me peace because I know that this world is temporary and it's going to be over in a moment. The Bible says that our life's like a vapor on the water. It's here for a moment and then it's gone. All these troubles, all these kids, it's going to be gone. And I know that I'm going to be with my Jesus forever, forever. That gives me peace. No, no matter what I'm facing, no matter what's going on, I can still have peace. Because peace isn't, peace isn't when everything's going right in your life. Peace, real peace, is the byproduct of a relationship with God. And before we do anything else this morning, and we got a lot of stuff still planned. We're still going to have a lot of fun in here today. Don't think that this is the end of what's happening this morning. We've still got some fun. We're going to have in here, and we've got the winter wonderland that we've got going on outside after the fun that we're going to have in here. But I wanted to take a moment. Everyone bow your heads and close your eyes. And no one looking around. And I just want to ask you a question. What you're looking for in your life right now, whether it's Christmas, whether it's relationships, whether it's fill in the blank, whatever it is that you've been trying to do to find joy and peace in your life, is it working? And we already know if if it's the first kind of Christmas, if it's the first kind of scenario, there's no way it's working because it can't be consistent. I want to give you an opportunity today to accept the love that Jesus so freely gives to everyone. And it's for everyone. God doesn't select special people or VIP people. Jesus died for all mankind, for all sin, so that we could have a relationship with him. And just like he used to walk with Adam in the garden in the cool of the day, be able to hang out with him and get to know him. And no true joy and no true peace and no true love in our lives from a God that will never fail us or forsake us or leave us. Is Jesus Lord and Savior of your life? When I ask that question, you automatically know the answer to it. A lot of people say, well, I believe in God. And, and a lot of people say they believe in God. And that really doesn't do anything because you know, the Bible actually says that Believing in God doesn't get you into heaven. The Bible says that the demons in hell believe in God and tremble with fear. It's not about believing in God. It's about whether or not you have a relationship with Jesus and whether or not you've asked him to be your Lord and Savior and forgive you of the sin in your life. And before we do anything else this morning, I want to give you that opportunity. Are you here this morning and you know You don't have a relationship with God that's where it needs to be, where he desires for it to be. Or maybe you're here and and you've never asked Jesus to be Lord and Savior of your life. Jesus died so that we wouldn't have to be separated from God. He died so that we could be free from this stuff called sin so that we wouldn't have to go to hell. See, he's the Savior because he saved us from that eternal destination. He died to save us from our sin. He died to save us from a hell that God doesn't want anyone to go to. So if you're here today and you know Jesus is not Lord and Savior of your life, 
when I count to three, I want you to lift your eyes up and look at me. I'm not going to single you out or call you up front or do anything that might embarrass you. I just want you to lift your eyes and look at me so that I can pray with you this morning. So that we can get that right. So that we can get rid of this first Christmas stuff and get to the real Christmas stuff that really makes a difference in our hearts and in our lives. Heads bowed, eyes closed, no one looking around. Is Jesus really Lord of your life?